So Junchu, what is the title? Where the War Begins. Where the War Begins. Where does this come from? And you know, all over the world, there's wars all over. And there's conflict and just it's everywhere. It's in our, uh, our governments and everything that's going on. And quite often people get magnetized into that and want to go and join this movement or that movement. And I'm not against any of that. I'm just saying it's kind of a misunderstanding that, and that misunderstanding is all pervasive. So but I saw something, uh, actually my, my friend and student Gary Huey posted something on a, I thought it was interesting. It was a like street signs, like uh, no parking signs, those red and white signs we see. And uh, there was a whole row of them, and, uh, and this is what it said. Um, if there's to be, to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there's to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there's to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there's to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there's to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. And I added on to that and said, if there is to be peace in the heart, we must train the mind. And that's where the war begins, in the mind. There's no war in the heart. The war is in the mind. So training the mind, the idea is to use that, and not to keep us from going and voting, or um, would you mind sitting around a little bit? Since yeah. I can't really see your face. It would help. Thank you. Um, so it's, it seems to be necessary to start where the where the difficulty originates at, which is uh, is in our in our gut, the warfare that's here, the warfare, the paranoia that's in our head, where we think we have to fight somebody or argue with somebody, or we have this feeling of anger or um, conflict come up, and and it's very difficult to just work with that conflict ourselves. It's very tempting to go one way or another. It's like either or. It's either we go here and blame ourselves or we go out and we blame someone else. And sometimes we might do a little of each or alternate. But if you have a negative feeling, any of you, right now, you're going to look for the cause of it, more than likely. That's not what is being taught here. What is being taught here is that whatever arises, don't add to it, don't add an idea about it. Uh, well, this must mean, because as soon as you do this must mean, or it's because of that, or it's because of that. It's not that there couldn't be some connection there. It's not that there couldn't be some simple cause and effect happening. But if you go that direction, you just start to spin and it becomes wider and wider circles. So what's being recommended, suggested, is basically the teachings of the Buddha, is just see what this, you need to do it with your uh, consciousness, your awareness. You need to see that whatever rises is just that, and it's not separate from anything else already. You don't have to artificially connect it up with something else. I'm feeling this because of that. Obviously, that, that triggered that, but you need to stay with what's happening rather than try to jump out of the difficulty into the blame or the cause. This is why the world is so crazy. Why we have um, big boxes, they call them prisons, and somebody does something wrong or if all, uh, somebody goes outside the law in somewhere, in some uh, regard, we, we put them in a box. It's just a complete misunderstanding of the whole thing. And of course, the tragic thing is that 
you can't go to that misunderstanding. You can't go to that prison. You can't go to that warden. You can't go to that governor. You can't go to any person, even your representative, even if they're really understanding and very liberal or whatever, or all for prison reform. You can't, you can't actually go to that. You can't go to uh, Syria and stop the war. You can't go to Washington with a bunch of signs and all, uh, much as I love and appreciate the people who are, say, speaking out, circular. It, what it ends up doing is it makes it, well, it makes you feel like at least I'm doing something. And you'll notice that people will try to get you to join them. When somebody tries to get you to join anything, look at that very closely, what that's about. I'm not saying it's wrong. Don't misunderstand. But what I am saying is in order to actually fundamentally work with all of the violence and all of the terror and all of the conflict and all of the cause and effect, we, we have to train our mind. Pretty hard to get someone to do that because it doesn't make a lot of sense to try to explain it. The very best thing you can do for what's happening uh, in the world is to go here, go here. Uh, first, you're going to have to go here, and then you're going to have to go up here, and then you go back and forth between those. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. I should. I shouldn't. There's constant things happening in our mind's uh, space. So if we train our mind, what I'm saying, uh, by training the mind, I'm saying we, if you sit very still, hold still for any length of time, Call it meditation if you want. Call it uh, pickles. Call it whatever you want to call it. The name is uh, not so important as to sit very, uh, very still, hold very still, and watch what continues to move. Because what continues to move is the very structure of of, uh, of confusion, the very structure of warfare, the very structure of insanity. And so you may have to do a lot of that. You may have to. Uh, you may have to repeat that over and over and come back and look at the craziness, look at the difficulty, look at the confusion. That's why the sitting practice of meditation is very difficult. That's why we have something we call a monastery, so that the people who come here, especially the people who come here to live, are very serious about doing this. They're not here for a little vacation or because they like to meditate. If you like to meditate, then you should come and talk to me. I'll fix that. So what I'm, what I'm saying is, it's not that sitting down, holding still, that there might be a, a, some relaxation, some calmness could come over you, depending on the causes and conditions that are arising in your particular body-mind uh, dynamic. Your, your karma, nothing is separate from anything else. That's why it's so confusing, because, because we, in order to control things, which we as humans like to do, we like to find who's to blame and who gets credit. We're always taking very surfacey ideas about the world, like right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, night and day, and trying to manipulate, manipulate them and get our way, get things to mind us. Stop fighting, or uh, we need to fight more because we need to stop so-and-so. We need to go to war with them. And of course, you've heard me say, how do I know this? I, I do it all day long. I'm not at war with anything, and I'm not at peace with anything. You can't just be peaceful. You probably noticed that. You can't just be peaceful because you actually create war by doing that. If you don't understand, you should ask questions. If you're not at war or at peace, where are you at? Not separate. At the same time, you're separated into a body-mind complex that has a certain age, has a certain sex, has a certain mental functioning, looks a certain way and functions autonomously and individually by 
going to the kitchen, making a sandwich, going to the bathroom, driving a car, having a job, having relationships, interacting with others, listening to others, speaking to others, all of the various things that make up the relative situation of the world. But who you are fundamentally is not separate. And the body-mind complex is, uh, is like a housing for your consciousness, your, take it to a deeper level, your spirit. It's a, it's a realization. And even, when, even once I use that word, or we say that word, or anyone says that, it isn't even that. It's something you always, know, always have known. You just keep covering it up, and it's not just saying you. I'm saying me. All of us, we cover up uh, the truth of who we are, which is not separate. To realize that is, uh, I call freedom. You're, you're so free that there isn't anything that is frightening to you. Even your own negative feelings coming as an avalanche uh, two days from now at four in the morning, waking up and having nightmares or having it's, it's completely like it should be. There's nothing to agree with nor object to. If you think there is, you're going to have some problems. And you may have uh, uh, great uh, difficulty further. Anyone else? Yes, sir. What do you mean, like it should be? <coughs> Did I say that? Yes. What was the context? Wanting things to be different than they are. Yeah. So what's the question? What is <laughs> like it should be? Well, the should part is what we add on. This is how it is. And if you say this is how it should be, or this isn't how it should be. Those are all extra. Don't do anything with that. Don't get sucked into that kind of uh, politics of experience. Whatever is occurring is perfect. Even if it's a horrible, ter uh, terrible situation where somebody's being hurt or murdered or anything, I'm not saying that's not, I'm not saying that that isn't painful or problematic or difficult. I'm just saying if you take any position on anything, you add to the chaos. And this doesn't mean that if, as I've used, said before, if you if you walk you're walking down the street and you see someone in their yard with a, a dog on a chain who's beating it, you, you go up to them and you take the stick away from them. Of course you would, but it, you don't do it because it's you don't do it because of some process. You just see it and you do it. You, you follow me a little bit? It's you, you don't have to think about that. Hmm. Should I? I mean, it's their dog. Mm, the dog doesn't look too unhappy howling a lot, but it's, you take it away from them. You actually function as a part of this entirety that we call the world, the universe. You know. Um, Shane has a question. He asks, does your karma tell you what to do moment by moment? If your karma is telling you what to do, then this is, this is a, um, you know, voices in your head or something like that. It doesn't do that. But if you, if you don't do anything unless you have to, if you just hold still and don't do anything unless you have to, then your karma will come up and move you in and out of all kinds of situations. So it's just a way of talking about it. It's, it doesn't mean that we, we believe that or disbelieve it. The whole idea of believing anything is a cover-up. The whole idea of disbelieving anything is a cover-up. Don't believe, don't disbelieve. Take no positions. Picking and choosing is a disease of the mind, as it says in the, what sutra says that? In the sense in me, trust in the heart by Sosan in the what, 8th century, 9th century, I think. Picking and choosing. This doesn't mean you can't look at some vegetables and pick one out that's, that doesn't have spots on it or something. Or so pick a watermelon that just looks better, feels better, bumps better. <laughs> but that's not really picking and choosing. You're not selecting that. 
The watermelon is selecting it. If you don't understand, you should try harder. <laughs> you, should, you should ask questions. It's very presumptuous of us to think we have any control about anything. Further questions? Or Where does the war end? <clears throat> so I don't think it's so much of a where uh, or a when. Mm. Buying into some kind of time and space idea about it, it's, it's now. And even that's extra because it's a comment on something that is already the case. So where is there and when is down there, different kinds of space. I think I know what you're asking me, but I'm saying it ends now. Go ahead. You had said the war begins in the mind. Mm -hmm. I guess that was where the, I was just wondering. Using that idea. Begins in the mind. So it's just a way of talking about it. We, it's, all, it's a setup of a relative situation that if there's, if there's conflict here with a, uh, in, your, um, uh, in, your, in your body, in your mind, in your whole, di whole dynamic, then, then you're going to either look for some, I mean, you, you go and drink to calm things down temporarily. You could um, go to a psychiatrist or a therapist and they could give you uh, legal chemicals uh, that could be just as harmful. <clears throat> Uh, and most of most of the chemicals are covering things up. They're the things that they're without looking at them. The meditator, they sit down if they're uh, working with this teaching. They sit down and actually look at the distress and the difficulty to see what it fundamentally is. And so that's where it would. If it's going to end anywhere, it's going to end right there. Uh, in our situation, you would say on the cushion. You could say in the heart. I'm deliberately not being particularly specific. So it's already ended. To actually end the war, you, war has to come and you do nothing with it. War comes and you, it, it doesn't find someone. I'm not saying it doesn't, you don't feel it. Someone attacks you or accuses you or makes life hard for you. I'm not saying you don't have the emotions around there, but there's no, there's nothing secondary. There's, there's just the emotion. There's no one who's causing an emotion. There's no off switch. There's no on switch. There's, there's no, no praise, no blame. More. When we feel an emotion, um, or in that sense, the war come in, when does it become doing something? So it would be as soon as you uh, abandon the feeling, or add to the feeling, I shouldn't be feeling this way, or add anything to it, do anything with it. I must be doing something wrong, or I wouldn't be feeling this way. Or, uh, or to blame. It's not that there isn't relative truth. It isn't. It's not that eating too many uh, 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 peanuts isn't going to give you a stomachache. There's a cause and effect. We're not denying cause and effect. We're just not joining in with it as as that's how we're going to solve the problem. Because if you do that, then you've got to you've got to end all the peanuts. There can't be any more peanuts in the world, and there can be no more stomachs. I'm being a little silly, Bear. I'm just saying uh, we. You know, we want to get rid of those things rather than just be with them. You have night and day as the, one of the t uh, teaching metaphors that I've always liked is uh, sun-faced Buddha, moon-faced Buddha. It's just everything is Buddha. Everything is perfect as it is. And it doesn't mean, that, as I said, using the image of someone harming a dog or, or another person. You know, there's a there's kind of an area if you're in the... You're in the... Uh, uh, a grocery store, and someone has their own child and is yanking them around and being 
violent with them, you might have to do something. I'm not going to set up a protocol saying, here's what you do. First you do this, then you do that. But you maybe the only thing you do is stand right next to them and watch them so that you're so that they're not that's not going unnoticed. You're not just walking down and you know, shaking your head and pushing your cart. Mm-hmm. How is looking at where the war begins different from looking for a cause of the war? So you're there, there's some of that going on, but when I say look look at this whole complex, look at the mind, look at how the mind keeps jumping to this and jumping to that and thinking up things and thinking up ideas about what I should do, what I shouldn't do. So looking at that kind of circular distress is looking at the fundamental uh, situations, the five skandhas, the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the three poisons. It's, you're actually looking at very fundamental parts of the of the difficulty or the confusion rather than than you know three or four stages away where it's somebody who's doing something to something else or i'm this is happening to me or i'm being treated this way or that way uh, as soon as you leave this who you are and go into someone else or something else some other thing uh, then we're starting to look for someone something to blame or something to try to manipulate or get that to stop happening it's like when we blame someone else for how we feel it's just a ridiculous thing to do, even though someone has said something or triggers something, but it's, it's our feeling. You're the one who's having the feeling. More about that's good if you have it. It's not clear. I don't know if it's related to that, but um, feeling like an internal tension, but it, it looks like I can't see or I don't have a willingness to see what the two sides are that are mm-hmm. abrasive to one another. See, that's a, this is awareness. What you're describing you're describing, uh, you're aware that you can't really see that. That's awareness. Please go ahead. Pardon me for interrupting you. Is there a way to look deeper into that? No, you're doing it. You're doing it. Coming in here, sitting down, practicing. Don't leave here. When I say that, of course, do whatever you want. Move to Montreal. I hear it's a lot easier in Canada to be a human being. But nothing lasts. No matter wherever you go, whatever you do, you're going to, you know, as a, the joke goes, uh, no matter where you go, there you are. Uh, not all that funny, you know, but you're, you're always going to have your own dynamic with you wherever you go. So a very good place to examine that and find out the way in which you're confused is to sit down and, and spend time in a place that's dedicated to finding out who you are, finding out what this is fundamentally. This is a people, uh, that are outside of this project onto this. Well, that's those are people that worship the Buddha or something like. Who knows what they think? When actually, they're you know, it's a long ways from that. This is a place where people sit down and look at their minds, look at the at the stirring of the mind. Look at we don't take anything for granted. We look at the mind. We sit down, hold still, and we see that is there a mind? What is the mind? What are thought? What actually is a thought? Is there space around a thought? Does a, raw, a thought have a front and a back? What's the energy that moves a thought? What is that? What's the difference between a, a negative thought and a positive thought? Don't take anything for granted. Look at that. And that's basically the way I'm hearing you say that. You're, you're actually spending time doing that. You're looking at that. The thing we have to be careful of when I say be careful, uh, it's not about particularly controlling. It's about seeing the way when thoughts arise, we add something to it. We add something about it. And so the practice of sitting meditation is about slowly over time, 
seeing more and more clearly what it fundamentally is rather than what it is with all of our ideas and patchwork around it. More. Is the root of something apparent at the surface? Find out if there's a root. Well. Doing what you're doing. You live here in this monastery. Spend as much time as you can on the cushion. There's scheduled time if you can't, if you find yourself going away to work situations and find other ways to do this. This, this room doesn't go away just because no one's sitting in the dawn seat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come in here and sleep. Let me know. Uh, from Jim Johnson up in Muskegon, he says, greetings. He's there with one other person and he has mm -hmm. two a two part question. Okay. Could you talk about how accepting the truth that we have no control relates to the idea of predetermination? And do we really have no influence on our path? So that's just why it's difficult. We do and we don't. Some, uh, there's some a relative situation that's going on. I can reach over here and move this from there to there. It's very simple. I have say so about this. But what, what are we missing there? What I've said many times is we don't know where this came from. We don't know how, if we could produce another one of these that they got chopped off. Probably not. So we cover up, we take for granted, we ignore the fundamental nature of what this is and who we are. We, we actually uh, move into a very limited cause and effect. The, I'm reaching over here. I don't want it there, so I want it over here. Well, you know, I changed my mind. I'm putting it back. Look how much control I have, and I can turn it this way if I want. So I can slam it down, or I can set it down very quietly. We have all these little relative kind of options through our lives. I can go and study bo uh, botany, or I could go and I could not get an education. I could go and just uh, um, uh, work in some other. I could not work. I could just be a bum. I mean, I'm just making things up because I'm saying, but those look like, they look like choices. Look closely, see what those are. See what it is when you decide this over that. Look closely at that. I can't tell you and sort that out for you. <coughs> it's, it should be looked at more closely because the causes and conditions that arise as any one thing are innumerable. You can't count them. There's one situation, but all of the things that cause that to happen, it's like you, you, I'm always saying go look in the mirror because you can't be here without your exact mother and your exact father getting together at exactly a certain time so that you could be here. And it goes on back uh, forever. When you set down, um, when you set that down, you said it's a kotsu. Kotsu. You mentioned limited cause and effect. Is there a more complete cause and effect? Yeah, it's called paratantra. The technical word. It's everything is causing everything else. Everything that's happening is has some kind of effect. Now, just like you're you're listening to me, but you can't keep out the siren. The siren's hitting your ear, your eardrums too. If you had control, I would just say, don't listen to the siren. And then the ear flaps would come down. You know, it would just be open in my direction. Sure, it's silly. But I, but it, but it's like, it's that kind of a thing. It's like eating, uh, it's like eating uh, um, a sandwich, but just taste the bread. Don't taste the um, peanut butter, whatever it is. It's like, we we have some say-so, but we're, but we're really flooded with a, we're flooded with everybody. You notice how, uh, maybe you don't notice, but you could look at it, say, anytime you're in a room full of people and someone else walks in, it changes the whole room. Anytime you sit down, no matter how you're feeling, and sit down and face someone else, we're, we're not separate. We're separated, of course, 
but we're, we're not separate. Sitting in front of another person, uh, if you take the time, uh, have the time to just look at them, and they just look at you without anything extra, it's a powerful situation. Most people try to get away from that, try to think of what to talk about. So I thought these, uh, these uh, parking signs or if there is to be peace in the world, you know, it just goes right down. If there's, if, if we have people who, who are working at it, trying to make peace in the community, it's not that they couldn't do some of that, but most of the people that, even with people with really good ideas about how to have a society that mutually, that helps people and raises people up and doesn't go around punishing and, and terrorizing people and trying to get power and take advantage and make money, um, you aren't going to change that by going in and working with that with that part of the of the plant. You're going to have to go down where the root is, and it might not just be the root. It might be whatever the root is. To continue to use that metaphor, it might be the nutrients that come that direction. If you wanted to use that uh, metaphor, once we go to the root, can we work with all the parts? That is that is all the parts. There, nothing is separate. So if you're if you're completely present then you're then that that is it it doesn't mean that other people who are spinning around and with their machetes that you're going to necessarily have a direct effect on them but it might be better than going and taking a club and going after them this being said if you meet someone in the, the store who is perpetrating violence it doesn't mean that you couldn't stop that but, but it would need to happen out of your awareness, not out of a judgment of they're bad, you're good, and you're going to save somebody. You do that, you're, you're going to create more chaos. It would, be, it's a it would be a difficult thing to run into because what do you do in that? And you, people are so full of their uh, self-importance. Uh, uh, what was that word you, you used a little while ago about being uh, entitled? We talked about when so when you if you meet somebody who just they just kind of radiate entitlement, you know, communication just pretty much comes to an end. Any kind of uh, given uh, conventional give and take, I I say this, you listen and you respond, and you, we listen and we have some kind of communication. That's kind of what we try to do here, and it works pretty well here. But there's if you leave here and go somewhere else, and you talk to uh, to people who are wound up in their opinion, their idea, their thoughts, their beliefs about things. It's just tragic, especially if you practice a lot and you're training your mind and you see that you're actually becoming uh, more clear. And as you become more clear, you're willing to be confused. You have a willingness to just be genuine. It's more important to be genuine than to be live up to some kind of ideal of being a, an okay person or an intelligent person or a clear person or a peaceful person. A kind of reputation, building up some kind of interior reputation. At least I don't fight. At least I don't the subtle kind of ego form. So it's very difficult to be around someone who is uh, who just operates out of some kind of entitlement or some kind of pride that they aren't about to see. And the last thing you really can do for them is to point it out. They don't want to be their pride pointed out. They might punch you. Please. We've got a lot of time left. We can talk about gardening. Yes. <clears throat> what happens to attachment? Um, through no separation. So just about anything. There could actually be more attachment or less attachment, but but there, the awareness of that is what would be powerful. You would actually 
see what that is. Yes, sir. But there's less attachment, right? Looks like more attachment. What does more attachment look like? You know what's coming. And that's because it's not separate. But it has to be seen. If you, if you don't see it, then you'll think those are two different things. It's, uh, the night and day are two words for the same thing. One's a little bit lighter than the other. So we're back to the ancient symbols of yang and yin or yang and yin. The polarity situation is it, it fools us all the time. The right and wrong polarity. Uh, enlightened, not enlightened. Sanity, insanity. Shaito. Is that kind of what you were pointing at earlier? You said if you're being peaceful, you're creating more? If you're, you could be. Not, I'm not blaming anybody for doing anything, but I'm saying you could be by, by being the person who is always peaceful. You know, I like a, like a, I like a credential for being peaceful. And some people, because of your the particular karma, the particular causes and effect that come into, come into your particular life, you, you might, might just naturally have an easier time of being peaceful. And someone else does not have an easier time, easier time. Every time they have any problem, they start to get angry and they start to get warlike. And so it seems to be necessary to do it with the awareness. And, uh, and it seems to need to happen here if, it's, if there's such a happening at all. At least this needs to lessen the paranoia that's in the thinking process and uh, this, uh, whatever chakra this is. What's that called? The chakras. It's one of you chakra people. Sacral. Huh? Sacral. Sacral. Yeah, it's a sacral chakra. So, second one up. It's, it's, this is where the fear is. Of, you know, we, we feel it. Anybody who's had a really intense uh, fright or intense anything intense happening, uh, you know, the, the thinking part is up here, but it immediately bypasses the heart and goes right into your gut. And it's like it's a, the fight or flight kind of. Dynamic. Yes, sir. Um, going off what you just said, when we, when we bounce between our head and our gut, is there ever a chance that it passes through the heart that we can see that? Probably. I don't know if it would be that literal. It could be. This, this doesn't feel, from the point of view of uh, paranoia and thinking process and the point of view of gut level feelings, this doesn't, this is like, this isn't going to help. I need to get out here where I can feel this, or I need to get up here where I can figure this out, figure it out. How many times have we said ourselves, or maybe had someone else say when they're in distress about something like, their actual head will drop, and they'll say, I gotta figure this out. They might, might even shake their head. I gotta figure this out. <laughs> Not funny, but it's, it's, it's like the person, you actually see the person abandon what they should be looking at and go into some other kind of dynamic that's called, I gotta figure this out. So that list uh, of uh, that Gary posted, there is to be peace in the world. You can just start with the first one, peace in the world, peace in the nations, peace in the cities, right down to the home and right down to this, this situation. We start where we are, which is in, uh, please don't lay down. If you have a back trouble, sit in a chair, the back trouble. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Grab a chair and sit in. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah. Okay. Further questions? Michelle? What can we do when we feel we have a decision to make? Okay, so uh, we have a decision to make. Is it like this or that? 
like, should I do this or should I not do anything? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Just look at it. Don't decide anything. Don't come up with an idea. Oh, maybe this will work. Don't gamble with it. Don't do anything. You hear me say this over and over. Don't do anything unless you have to. That doesn't mean you shouldn't do something, but you could wait. Because if you wait and, and look at it and spend time actually looking at the dynamics, the dynamics you have not seen will start to show up. And then another aspect of whatever it is you're looking at that may, you may be calling your problem or your issue or your, you know, your challenge or, you know, you'll see that turn in different ways. The longer you wait, sometimes call patience. Just don't jump into anything. This doesn't mean that you're not being spontaneous. You, if you do something before, you're, it's more clear you're doing it out of fear or out of some kind of anxiety of not knowing what to do. And then you say, well, I, I just got to decide. So I got to decide something. And then you do it. You just add to the, the confusion. You may be, may be even covering up very valuable things about that that have to do with that situation of making a decision that you, you don't see, possibly. But if you don't do anything unless you have to, then nothing lasts. So anything that looks like it's staying in, uh, in one state slowly starts to shift and change and shift and change. And you might find that uh, by watching that, that at some point it isn't even a decision. You don't have to think about what to do. You just do it. It's called choicelessness. And this doesn't mean you think you might not have a thought, well, I think I'm going to go and apply for that job. So it might show up very simple way, but you might also notice there wasn't any, there's no stress, there's no pushing, no pulling. This whole situation, as Unia and I have talked about many times, is, was completely um, not only choiceless, but but it was uh, effortless for this monastery to come apart and come, come together. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are supposed to come apart. Now. This is a place that is together so that you guys can are safe, can safely come apart. That's what happens on the cushion. You start to look at all of your parts. So a choiceless, there's no guarantee of that, of course, but quite often if we're, we have a decision, if we just, uh, you'd say, contemplate it, you're a meditator, so that helps. You're already working with a basic nature of awareness, which is just this, just this, just this. Then when those should I, shouldn't I, should do this, shouldn't do that, uh, they, they, they have a more open area in which they can arise. More about that is good, Michelle, if you have it. Have any further? I never, uh, I find it hard whenever you ask that more. It's like my thought process. Instead of encouraging me, it, it stops. That's awareness. Nothing to correct. I see no problem at all. How can I... So, okay, if I have struggle with making a decision, Feeling, looking at it, giving it time, giving it space. Um, you know, you have that feeling of, okay, I've been patient, I've been patient. Yeah. <laughs> been patient. Come <laughs> on, let's have some spontaneity here. As soon as I say the question, I'm just, um, but still struggle to come to a conclusion if I feel that I know what's right. And quotes right, or I feel that I already know really what should happen. I like your air quotes. <laughs> should happen. You could use all of them. Then, you could use lots of what do they call those things? 
Um, uh, hyphen? No. Huh? <laughs> yeah, apostrophe. So an apostrophe gets together with another apostrophe. It's called a catastrophe. <laughs> so I would say, you know, it's so specific to each person. Each person's going to have their own choices and things like that. But but less is better if you can just sit, stay in your body. When I say I say that, just stay in your senses. The the, the body mind uh, situation tends to get separate. We tend to take all of that, all of our awareness, and kind of suck up into our, just, you know, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We even hold our head like this. What are we going to do now? Maybe we should have a drink. Yes. So then, does the action that happens just come out of that? It, 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 it could feel that way. It could feel if you do nothing and you don't have any kind of a demand on what's happening, and you're willing to. It's like you don't make any demands of the weather. Weather just does what it wants to do. And there's a, a kind of quality in our minds that is like weather. It's kind of moving this way and moving that way. And so less is better. Just uh, just be with whatever is arising. Uh, I don't say that often, but it seems appropriate to say that to you. That whatever kind of negativity, positivity. Uh, neutrality or spinning comes up. Just be with that. So that way you can actually see what it is more clearly. Yes? Could a decision that seems you know, like the thing to do actually be trying to cover up? Oh, it's probably been there. Yeah. Oh, yes. So don't validate it. Don't cover it up. Don't do anything with it. Sit a lot. Sit as much as you can. Question, yes. You brought up the word contemplate, and I've heard sometimes it talked about in steps with hearing contemplating and meditating. And I'm pretty unclear what contemplating is. So you hear, you hear, uh, life of suffering causes desire, the goal is cessation in the path of Sheila Samadhi and Prajna, or anything else that comes up. You could, you could you hear that, you hear the teachings of the Buddha. Everything's dependently risen, there's no solid self. In the skandhas, are form, feeling, perception, concept, or thinking, and the six sense fields and their objects that are all happening all at once. That that does not add up to a self. It, it does something, but it's there's no solid being there. And if you continue to to look at those concepts, so you hear it, you hear the teachings, and then you contemplate them. We, as we do when we have a book study, you could call that a, uh, that study is kind of a contemplation as a group. We sit, we look at these concepts, we look at the, the three modes, we look at the, uh, the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, or the Threefold Path, or we, we look at this, we contemplate it, we read about it, and we look. So that's kind of what we're doing is we're contemplating. You may be doing that when you're uh, eating breakfast, you may be thinking about some aspect of the Dharma, possibly. Uh, and then we meditate, or we come, we sit down, and we just, uh, the food processor mind, the metaphor I sometimes use, we just we just unplug it. We sit down and let all the junk that's been running around in there just drop to the bottom and just uh, just observe. Things will still come up, but what comes up then in this uh, sitting meditation is probably something that you, that needs to be seen by you. You need to see the way in which you're you have a chokehold on some aspect of your thinking process and you won't let go of it. And so you, this is why you, you have your own personal understanding of what fixation is. You actually see yourself clinging to something. 
uh, contemplation part could even be that. You might get up off the cushion, contemplate that. You might write it down. Uh, another way that I've recommended to people who are really having a, being haunted by some kind of a thought or set of series of concepts, uh, make a suggestion they write something down on an index card and put it in front of them and then sit for 40 minutes and then for 10 minutes, pick that up and look at it, put, put it where they can see it and just look at those words or memorize those words and say those words every so often to yourself and then and then look at what they mean. Um, I it could be, I don't like myself, a very basic kind of thing a lot of times. Uh, sometimes we just have that, you know, we just don't like what we do and who we are and how we're functioning. So we might have to contemplate that. Besides just meditating, sitting and just watching what moves, we might have to take one of the things that moves kind of chronically and going in and maybe looking at it more closely. You may do it on the cushion a little bit. I don't recommend doing too much there, maybe five or ten minutes out of an hour, but a little bit more. Is that more clear to what? Okay. Other questions? Questions from anyone who, you gentlemen have any questions? Well, I must have made myself really clear. I feel so good. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, this might be better asked in, in an interview, but when sitting is limited or even impossible feeling. Um, I mean formal sitting meditation. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there something more that I can be doing or something other than just sitting? So, okay, how much sitting are you doing? Um, A day. About an hour. About an hour. So, and that's due to being pregnant, that's due to your job situation, that's due to whatever, something else that you're not saying. Since you're bringing it up, I'm asking you. There's something else that's in the oh, way of it. Appointments. Yeah, you have appointments. There's some way that you can um, find uh, a day to have appointments one day and the next day spend more time in here practicing. I know you don't want to do that. It would be really difficult to, to that, do that. That's what I would recommend is find, it must be, since you're the one who sets schedules, uh, there, there, if you could find one day where you just practice the whole day. And then the other days, you could even maybe only sit a half an hour on those other days instead of an hour. But find one day where you sit down and load up with this, the, this situation. Sit down, look at the wall. Spend a lot of time sitting there. That's how I would say it. And if you would like me to schedule things for you, I'd be happy to do that. <laughs> I mean, I already do schedule. Anyone who lives here, 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock, 30 to 5 o'clock, and 7 o'clock to 9 o'clock at night, that's your schedule. And uh, if you can, any of you who live here and people that just visit, uh, you should take advantage of that. This is really unusual to have a building that's totally dedicated to training the mind. And, you know, I spend very two hours a week, uh, three hours a week at max, probably in here talking about the Dharma. And you spend another eight hours uh, around that uh, studying it or contemplating the Dharma from other teachings, teachers from the sutras and so on, a lot more than what I do. And then the re then you have, uh, what does the sitting come out to if you sat every single schedule? 33 hours a week. 33 hours a week, so practically a full-time job. We're not saying you do that for 33 hours a week necessarily, although some people have. A lot of times when people first come here, they do a, a lot of that. I know Michael's been doing quite a bit of that practice. Isn't that the case? Yeah. So he's been here a month. Close. Close to me. 
So it's, it's a powerful, uh, powerful practice. So make some time, but find some time. Uh, bring your schedule to me. Well, you don't have to do that. But you see what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, see if you can't nudge something this way or that way so you get some kind of openness. Even if you only, uh, even if you come in and sit, uh, say, from, uh, you know, from one o'clock to five o'clock and forget the mornings and forget the evening, but just find some time when you're just really sitting and in your situation you can move from a chair to a cushion to standing up to walking meditation that will stretch out some time because i think that might be what's uh, part of what's uh, difficult you have spent time and you're sitting for long periods of time i know in the past okay any any final question very good thank you So we'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our red shirt books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We also accept PayPal, checks in the mail, cash. And this Saturday is our all day, so if you can join us for that. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.